Well, like Pat said, it is an amazing privilege and honour to be here with you this morning. So I've known Pat for quite a few years and I just love the work him and Trisha are doing here at your church. And from Cairns, we do stalk you. We do watch what you're doing here and we love it. So keep continuing on. It's encouraging to see. So my husband and Jeff and I, we live in Cairns and we're pastors at the Lakes Church up there, which is part of Churches of Christ. And as I get started, I thought I'd share a little bit about myself So the picture on the screen that you'll see was just taken last week at our church Christmas carols event, which we run for our church family, all our playgroups families and our wider community. So very recent family photo, four kids, three in high school, one going into his last year of primary school. So almost to the point of four teenagers, so getting there. And it's actually our 17th wedding anniversary today, which is very cool to celebrate. (laughs) Thanks. So Jeff gets to preach at home in our home church and I get to be here with you, but that's okay. He released me to do that. We celebrated earlier in the the week. So I'm one of those people who likes to get up early in the morning. Yep, one of those early morning people. And I do a fair bit of cycling. So often in those early hours of the morning, especially in winter, it's pitch black when I leave home on my bike. And I'll ride usually to the beach because it's my favorite place. It's about a 45 minute bike ride from my place. To, and I go there to see the sunrise because the sunrise, as we see it creeping up over the horizon, the colours, it's like a painting that God provides for us every day. God is so artistic. And in those moments where I'm watching the sunrise, I feel God's presence. It's a moment of worship as the waves are kind of crashing in, as I'm sitting there and just the colours explode. So, and it's a moment of quiet, of stillness, of peace before I have to get home and get kids to school. So I love it. And then I'll do the 45 minute ride back home and get into the craziness of the day. But the light, this, the, the early morning, there's just something about it. The presence of God is there and it's spectacular. So I also have a passion for seeing people come to know Jesus and to grow deeply in their relationship with Him and not only grow deeply in their relationship with Him, but allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through them as they listen to what Jesus is saying to them. Because as followers of Jesus, Jesus says it's not a one-way conversation. He says, you will know my voice, you will hear my voice. So I'm really passionate about as people who love Jesus, being able to hear what God is saying to us. It's powerful because God wants us to experience His presence, His power. He draws us close to Him. And I love that Jesus shows us the very nature of who God is. He wants to grow us more like Him. So we're in December, as you know, Christmas is so close. It's only a couple of weeks away. And as we approach in this Christmas season, I've been reflecting over what God has done in and through me and what God has done in and through my family this year. So this year, God gave me the words, courageous faith. And as many of you know, if God gives you a word like that, He's usually going to take you through circumstances and take you on a journey to teach you exactly what that means. And boy, did He do that this year. So what does it mean to have courageous faith in every season? Now, this is a really easy concept to talk about, courageous faith, but extremely difficult to live out. Because courageous faith means stepping out into the unknown. It means stepping out and taking risks that seem outrageous, that seem crazy. And it means stepping out and following Jesus when pretty much a lot of people around you or everyone around you is saying, why are you still holding on to faith? Why, are you, why do you still believe? Why are you still going down this track? 
So holding on to courageous faith started for me in November of last year. So I was down here in Brisbane for our Churches of Christ Ministers Forum and AGM. And just on the very last day, as people were packing up and leaving to go home, Linda Moore, who's one of your staff members here, offered to pray for me. And I jumped at that opportunity. And as she was praying for me, right over in the corner just there, she said, I feel like God is saying to me that he's going to make a path through. And it's kind of like when the Israelites went on dry ground through the Red Sea, where God parted the waters and they were able to walk through and walk through that promise. God was going to make a way. So I held on to that. That was a really encouraging word. But I had no idea what that meant for me this year or what that was going to look like. But now I can look back and say with truth that when God was leading the Israelites through, that every single person that walked through on that dry ground, it took courage. So imagine stepping through on a place that normally you can't walk with walls of water surrounding you, getting to the other side, looking ahead, saying, I'm following Jesus, I'm trusting Jesus with each step. So I held on to that and God really has made a way this year. It's been one roller coaster ride of a year and it's been one of the hardest years of my life, of my family's life, with some extreme lows, but also some amazing mountaintop experiences from God. So Jeff, my husband, grew up as a missionary kid and his parents are actually still with Wycliffe Bible Translators, but that meant his growing up years were overseas. So he spent his really, really young years, a few years over in the Solomon Islands, and then most of his childhood, most of his teenage years in Papua New Guinea. So in January this year, we were invited as a couple to travel up to PNG with Mission Aviation Fellowship, or MAF. You may have heard of them. They're a missionary organisation to speak at their conference for people in PNG, for their workers in PNG, and we absolutely jumped at that opportunity. So this conference just happened to be booked in Jeff's hometown where he grew up, in Medang, on the coast, one of the most beautiful little towns you've ever, ever seen. So this was quite an emotional experience for Jeff because he hadn't been back there in over 20 years. And I had the opportunity to see where he grew up and to experience a little bit of what he experienced. So over those three days, and this picture on the screen is from the end of that conference, over those three days we had the opportunity to share with all of those missionaries over there on what was on our hearts about resting in God. But what stood out from that conference the most was each of these people's courageous faith. These people come from all over the world. There is a couple of local Papua New Guineans amongst them, but most of them have packed up everything they belong. They've left all their family to travel to Papua New Guinea, which isn't one of the safest countries in the world, to willingly follow Jesus, to share the light of Jesus with people over there through aviation and other means with Mission Aviation Fellowship. So I saw their courageous faith. This is a tough country to live in. They don't have the resources like we have here. If they have medical emergencies, they often have to fly down to Cairns. But they continue each day to step in faith and to minister because God has called them there. I saw that and it was so encouraging. So this was a really high mountaintop experience in our lives, in our family's life that happened in March. So we landed back in Cairns from Papua New Guinea and we're in the international terminal at the Cairns airport. And as we were waiting for our base to come out of customs, to come down on the carousel, I turned on my phone. 
and I had several missed calls from my mum. So I rang mum back and I got the news that my dad had gone into hospital and doctors were saying he wasn't going to come home. So I've talked about my dad publicly a lot, so if I get a little bit teary, sometimes the tears do catch me off guard, so stay with me. So my dad, Tony, had been diagnosed with motor neurons disease about three years earlier, and this had been a really long journey for him, watching him gradually decline as time went on, and he became more and more incapacitated. So MND, if you've ever heard of it, is an absolutely horrible terminal disease. There is no cure. And it affects the nervous system, which stops telling your muscles to function. So really, you start declining, becoming incapacitated to the point where you're bedridden. It's horrible. And eventually, your body shuts down. So I went from this amazing mountaintop experience in Papua New Guinea to straight away flying to the Gold Coast to spend the last few days of my dad's life with him in hospital. And one week after we landed back in Australia, my dad passed away. Mountaintops to deep valleys. And it's so angry to be, so easy, sorry, to be angry at God in these situations. It's so easy to question God, why? And to not feel very courageous about faith or to be thinking, I can barely even hold on to that little bit of faith I have where we're in really difficult situations. And maybe in your life, you feel like you're at that point as we come into Christmas where it's not a mountaintop. You're actually in that really dark valley. It's quite deep. And you're thinking, how do I have courageous faith right now? How do I even have any faith right now? Now, in these moments, I took strength from my dad's faith because what I saw in my dad's life over those last three years, the last few months, and even those last few days in the hospital room were his amazing, courageous faith. He had every single reason to grumble and complain. He had every single reason to question God and say, why, God, why am I battling this terminal disease? He went from being extremely active, independent man, to relying on others for every single one of his needs. He couldn't do the things he loved doing. But in all of the time I was able to spend with him, I never heard him once complain. I never heard him question God as to say, why, why me? But instead, I know he spent hours and hours in prayer because that's the one thing he could do. And I know that his faith didn't waver. In fact, it grew stronger and in, in that very last day of his life, he said, mentioned a couple of little things, which looking back now, I know that God had spoken to him. I know that God had told him when he was going to take him to be with him. He knew God was speaking to him. And that was a real encouragement for my dad, facing death because Jesus was there with him. He displayed incredible, courageous faith and he, he refused to let go. So there's a book in the Old Testament, and this book is called Nehemiah. And I want to look at this book this morning because Nehemiah faced different circumstances to what we face, but he shows us those mountaintop experiences and those deep valleys that happen and how God moves in that. Nehemiah shows us courageous faith in every season of life. So I want to give a quick background as to what's happening in this book of Nehemiah so we kind of understand the context. 
So in the Old Testament, we know that the Israelites were God's chosen people and they'd been given the promised land and the Israelites had dwelled in this promised land. They'd prospered and they'd enjoyed so much from God. But at this point in their history, Israel had actually been captured and taken into exile. Their city had been destroyed. The temple of God had been destroyed. The walls had been destroyed. So the nation of Israel had gone from a mountaintop experience of the promised land to now being in exile, to being slaves in a foreign country. Their home destroyed. Mountaintops to deep valleys. So for about 70 years, the people were in this exile. And it was only when a new king came into power, a new king in Babylon, that he started to allow these Jewish people to return home. And some of them did. And when they returned home, they started to rebuild the temple because the temple was so important back then to their faith. The temple in the Old Testament before Jesus was the physical dwelling place of God's presence. It was also the place where they went to worship. It was a place of community. So people had gone back and they started to rebuild this. And this is where Nehemiah comes into the story. Nehemiah heard that the temple was being rebuilt, but yet the city was still under threat because the walls weren't there to protect it. So Nehemiah is an adult and we see him serving in the king's court, in the king's royal court as a cupbearer. So what we know about Nehemiah is just from when he's an adult, we have no idea about his growing up. We do know though that he wasn't a leader. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't anyone significant in, in technically in Israel's history in any uh, genealogy line. He was just a man. And Nehemiah wasn't in Jerusalem when he heard the news of what was happening back home, but he was compelled and he was moved when he heard. So let's pick up the story from Nehemiah chapter one. He says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hasaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews that returned there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah heard the news of what was happening back in Jerusalem. Things were not going well. When I got the call from my mum to say my dad had gone into hospital, I felt like that was almost like the news from Hananiah to Nehemiah. Things were not going well for the people I loved. There was trouble in, in the way. But the first thing that Nehemiah did when he heard this news was to weep. He allowed himself time to mourn and fast, to pray, to commit it to God. And I think it actually takes a lot of courage when we're facing those big emotions, when we're facing things like grief to stop, to allow ourselves to feel that because we don't want to feel emotions like that. They're not fun things to feel. It takes courage to stop, to sit in that moment, to mourn, but also to commit that to God, to hand it over to God. Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. For days I mourned and fasted and pray to the God of heaven. So maybe this morning, I don't know what your journey is, but maybe you feel a little bit like that. It feels like your world has been destroyed. 
there's some sort of loss. Maybe it's a loss of job, a loss of loved one, a loss of something significant. Now, we aren't in exile. Our city hasn't been destroyed, but it can feel like in our lives there is trouble and disgrace. Things have been torn down and destroyed. You might even feel like your faith is in ruins. It feels like so much is taken away. Nehemiah's response, mourn, pray, weep. What about us? With the situations we face in our lives, with what we're seeing around us, is it causing us to be on our knees and praying like Nehemiah? Because it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to hand these things over to God because we want to control. We don't like things being out of control. And sometimes when we hand really difficult things over to God, it feels like we're losing control. But we're not. God is the ultimate provider. He's the ultimate one who loves us. He is in control. Now, I kept coming back to the faith of those missionaries that I saw in Papua New Guinea. I kept coming back in my life to the faith, the courageous faith I saw in my dad. And I kept coming back to the promise that God gave me in November that he was going to make a path through, that he was going to provide opportunities and provide growth in my relationship with him, even though all these things were going on around me. I just needed to keep taking steps of faith. I needed just to keep walking. He was asking me to continue to step forward to in my relationship with him. So dad passed away and I flew home to be with my family over the Easter weekend. And Easter Sunday night after our evening service, we jumped in the car with the kids and we drove down to the Gold Coast 23 hours straight in the car to be at my dad's funeral. But six weeks after dad passed away, God continued to bring about that promise that Linda, that he used Linda to share, that God was going to continue to grow me, that he was going to continue to use me and, and as I stepped forward. And at the end of May, I found myself on a plane to America. I had the opportunity to leave my family, my four kids with my husband for two and a half weeks and go over there with 10 other pastors from Churches of Christ all around Australia on a study tour to learn from pastors and leaders and visit 12 different churches over in Los Angeles and Phoenix. So I went from this mountaintop experience of PNG to the deep valley of my dad, back up to a mountaintop experience of America where I was sitting in rooms with pastors who were sharing about how God was leading and what God had done through them and how they were taking steps of creator's faith. And as I sat in those rooms, it was there in America that God clearly said to me, courageous faith. He said, this is for you this year, courageous faith. A sacrifice and the willingness of people all around the world to follow Jesus no matter what it costs. That's what I was hearing and that was what I was witnessing and that's what I wanted to do. Now there's a pastor over in Phoenix that I want to share his story. His name was Don Wilson and he shares about taking a friend in his car and driving out to the outskirts of Phoenix. And if you've ever been to Phoenix, it is desert. And it is literally tumbleweeds and cacti and nothing but sand. So he's driving out to the outskirts of the edge of Phoenix, beyond houses, beyond anything there, and then took his friend up to walk to the top of this little hill. And as they got to the top, he asked his friend, what do you see here? And his friend said, Nothing. I see cacti and tumbleweed, which is literally what he was seeing. 
But Don had a vision and he said to his friend, you know what, I see lost people. He had a vision that his small little church would buy this land in the absolute middle of nowhere and that the city Phoenix would grow out there and that their church would become a thriving church in the middle of a busy suburb. And that's exactly what happened. Through community discernment, the church said, yes, Don, we believe that's a vision from God. We're going to commit to purchasing it. This little tiny church bought this property in the middle of nowhere, built a little building, and now they, God did exactly what He promised. This church is thriving in suburbia. Phoenix grew out to them, and they are now one of the largest churches with over 30,000 people attending their services across different campuses. They are reaching out with hope to their surrounding suburbs. They are reaching out to people in their community. But they did have the questions of what if, in that discernment process, what if we do this and we get it wrong? We, what if we're not being good stewards of God's money? What if, so many what ifs, but they decided, you know what, we're going to step out in courageous faith and see what God does. Now, I came away from that saying, I want faith like that. I want to step out when it seems outrageous, when it seems crazy, when it seems ludicrous and see what God does and follow his leading. Now, it challenged me that God can do amazing things through ordinary people because Don was just a man. He was just a man who put his hand up and said yes to God. And I want to do that. I want to trust God. I want to put up my hand and say yes to him. God was asking me to trust him when it didn't make sense. When we're in pain and suffering, he was saying to me, I'm going to make a way through. You need to put up your hand and just say yes. You need to keep stepping forward. Even in that pain and grief, God was saying to me, I'm not finished with you yet. And I know that message that God was giving me, he wanted me to share with you today. God is not finished with you yet. He's not letting me go and he's not letting you go. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is not finished with you yet? Do you believe he's moving? Do you believe he wants to use you? Do you have a dream on your heart that is from God? Do you want to put up your hand and say yes? So let's keep reading through Nehemiah. So Nehemiah felt compelled to do something about the state of Jerusalem. So he put up his hand and moved to action. So it says this in chapter 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Nehemiah said, then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help? And with a prayer, the God of heavens, I replied, if it pleases the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Nehemiah put up his hand and said, yes. Now, when we are called to action, when we are called to follow Jesus with radical faith, it's often terrifying. When we're called to have that courageous faith with whatever it is, our finances, our time, our voice, whatever God is calling us to have courageous faith with, it's scary. 
And I love that Nehemiah says he was terrified. Now, Nehemiah wasn't someone, anyone important that he could just get up and leave his place where he was and go back to Jerusalem. Remember, he's a slave. He's the cupbearer to the king. So he, he had to ask the king for permission to leave. He had to ask the king for permission for, to provide him with things to go back and rebuild this wall. The king could have done anything. The king could have killed him. The king could have imprisoned him. But despite all of those what ifs, Nehemiah said, I'm still going to be obedient to Jesus or God. I'm going to do what he's asking me to do. I'm compelled. And the king replied, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Nehemiah was terrified. His courageous faith. And yet God came through. Now we can read these stories of people in the Old Testament and we can forget that these are actual people that lived. We can forget that these are people who had real feelings and real experiences. But we can go back and look how God, at how God used them and how God worked through them. And it's really encouraging to see because what God did back then, He will do again today. This building of the wall of Jerusalem wasn't a simple request. It required lots of materials, it required people power, and it required Nehemiah being released. But God did it because Nehemiah put up his hand. Now, when God is asking us to step out in that courageous faith, like I said, it's terrifying. I always have those questions when God is asking me to do something, the what ifs. What if I stuff it up, God? What if I can't do it? What if I look like an idiot? This is too big. Why me? I'm not qualified for this. It's scary. It's terrifying. But Jesus says, all I want you to do is say yes. I want you to keep stepping forward and trusting me. I have a dream to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus and to experience the Holy Spirit. I want to say yes to that. But it's terrifying sometimes. So shortly after my trip to America, one of my kids was really struggling with anxiety and depression and this was showing itself in in extreme bursts of anger. So as a parent, this is an incredibly difficult thing to work through and to help your child through. It was a really, really tough few months of parenting and I was at my wit's end. It was taking all of my energy and my strength to to parent my child and to help them to see God in this situation. But during that time, we managed to find an amazing Christian counsellor to help them work through this anxiety and depression and things are a little bit better. But what God was showing me through that is we need courageous faith in our families as well. Not only in our, our field of work or our school, we need it in our families. Maybe God is calling you to courageous faith in your family. Now, I remember saying to Jeff just after we were working through that with our children that, wow, this year, this is just in September, this year has been such a big emotional year. But little did I know that the year wasn't over yet. There's still more to come. So in early October of this year, Jeff's brother, my brother-in-law, took his own life. He struggled with mental health issues and the six weeks before he died, things just exploded and blew up in their family. So those six weeks were filled with stress, grief, trauma, and things were changing daily with police interventions and psychiatric wards. So we were trying to support both him and my sister-in-law and their kids. They've got four kids just like us. 
but my brother-in-law's mistakes and his mental health were too much for him in the end. And he decided to take his own life rather than to face the consequences of his actions. So that meant we needed to travel really quickly down to Melbourne to support my sister-in-law and her four kids, my nieces and nephews. They are facing and continue to face things that no child, no, no wife should ever experience. They've been through so much trauma and grief over the last few months, and yet they are a testimony that God, in your deepest, darkest, most horrible valley, that He is with you, He will not forsake you. They are a testimony that instead of walking away from God, they've leaned in closer. And they have shown me this theme of courageous faith that God has given me that it is real and it is possible, even though it's tough sometimes. We face opposition. We face dark valleys. We face devastating things. But God never leaves us. So let's jump into Nehemiah chapter 4. So Nehemiah is now in Jerusalem and he's rallied some troops. He's gathered them together and... They've started to rebuild this wall to protect the temple, to protect the dwelling place of God's presence. But this is not all rainbows and lollipops. This is really difficult because the surrounding nations are watching what these Israelites are doing and they don't want them to succeed. They know if they build this wall that they're going to be safe and protected. So they are coming under attack. Nehemiah is compelled to live out this call of God on his life. But it's tough. They're under fire. Their faith is under fire. Their actual situation is under fire. And this is what Nehemiah's response is to the the position they're in. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to the work on the wall. God is not asking us to build a giant wall today, but He is asking us to be His hands and His feet and continue the work that He's called us to do. And that work is wherever He has planted you, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your homes. God is calling us to have courageous faith even amongst opposition, even amongst the hard things that get thrown at us. I felt like this year, all of these things that happened in my family's life were trying to take my eyes off Jesus. They were trying to get me to take away, like to to say no to my faith, to say no to Jesus. But God was saying, be courageous in every season. I am with you. Nehemiah says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So these events in my family didn't take God by surprise. He knew what was going before us. And he said, I am with you despite the valley lows. I'm there with you on the mountaintops. I'm there for you and you need to fight for your kids. You need to fight for your sister-in-law. You need to fight for your your nieces and nephews. God is there. Remember him. God is frustrating the plans of the enemy, but he wants us to partner with him and continue to move forward. So your journey this year might look like it's got crazy 
mountaintop experiences and you might have experienced some really deep valleys like I have. Now, I'm not here to compare stories because we're each on our own journey. We each face our own things. I'm not here to make you feel bad about your story or make you feel better about your story. That's not the point. I'm here because we all face things in our life, mountaintops and valleys. But what is the same for all of us, regardless of what we're experiencing, that God will not let us go? God is not done with us yet. He's beside us, He is with us, and He takes He's asking us to take hold of that courageous faith in every season. And when we're struggling, when we're feeling like we can't lean on the faith of others, lean into Jesus and ask Him, God, give me that courageous faith. I can't do this by myself. Remember the Lord and fight. Remember that He is a great and glorious God and have courageous faith. So what area of your life is God asking you to step up in right now? What is the season you're finding yourself in? And if it's a dark valley, look at the situation, ask God, where are you here? How can I have courageous faith? So I want to invite the worship team up and the prayer team over to the side. And as the worship team come up, I want to finish our our message this morning with some prayer. And I'll leave some space. I'll just leave some silence in between. And in that silence, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. God, where and how do I have courageous faith in the season I'm finding myself in? So let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you don't let us go, that you have not finished with us yet, that you make a path through. And I pray that that we'll raise our hands and say yes to you, God. I pray that we will be people of action, that despite what is going on around us, despite waves crashing around us, that you will clear the path through, that we can look to Nehemiah's story and know from the past that you have done it before and that you will do it today for us, that you are a great and glorious God, that you frustrate the plans of the enemy, that you hold us tight. And I pray that we will walk out as we celebrate Christmas, we will walk out and remember you. That this Christmas, this will be a start, a new fresh start in our faith journey with you. I pray that you'll draw us close.